Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts this week. We watched The Magnificent Seven, directed by Antoine Fuqua and released in 2016. The plot goes something like this. In the Old West, seven men band together to save a small town from an evil mining baron intent on destroying it. He's so evil too. He's yeah. just like, I mean, he's only in like three scenes of this movie, Peter Sarsgaard, and he's just like devouring the scenery in every one of them. Um, he does that really well. I've seen him do that in other stuff. Yeah, he does. But the thing is, this I mean, that's pretty indicative of this whole movie where like none of the performances are small. None of them. No. Everybody's just like shooting for the stars here. Um, some of them are missing quite significantly, but hey, they seem to be having fun with it. Let's, it, it seems like everyone got together and was like, yes, I've watched a few Westerns in my childhood. I know exactly how a Western should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's such a, I, I mean, it's Basically, I think this is like the young guns of our time. Like, it's so kind of, it's going to be so dated. It's so ridiculous. Um, it's so silly and it's so stylized. And like, the Jennifer Lawrence lookalike girl has got this terrible fake red hair. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But like, it's kind of fun anyway. Like, all the people in it seem to be having fun. The action scenes are cool. They, you know, the tension ramps up in a fairly significant way. The introductions to the characters are fun. So, you know, it's, I mean, it, the, the problem with it, I think, is it, it sort of tries to be gritty, but it isn't at all. Um, I agree with you on the tonal problem. I don't agree that it was fun. I didn't have a lot of fun. I, I got bored. I didn't think the characters were well introduced. I, I didn't think they, they did enough of a job of, of the idea of the ragtag band getting together. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, um, no, I can't remember what the other thing was that you said, but I, I didn't feel the that The action at all. scenes were good. The action scenes were fine, but they just, again, I found felt like it dragged. I really looked at my watch a lot and yawned a lot and was struggling to stay awake by the time we finally got to the final battle. Yeah, but there's definitely a bit before the final battle where I was really feeling the drag. Um, but the final battle was fun, so I didn't, I didn't, I sort of picked up after that. But there was a real kind of pacing issue before. There's like a lot of stuff in between when they get to town and before the final battle that just really drags. Mm. Um, and I think they could have really used that time to focus more on like characterization for everybody rather yeah. than just have like one scene of people getting drunk and having fun and a lot of scenes of Ethan Hawke. And his PTSD. Um, yeah, I would have been nice if I, I would have liked more time spent on introducing the characters, like make them a bit because they're all supposed to be quirky and they're trying very hard to be quirky or a little bit interesting. <laughs> but none of them, to me, none of them get a really good like thousand yard stare kind of intro. Denzel gets an okay intro in that he, we see him like riding into town from behind and watch everybody react to him and all that. But n none of the others, to me, get a good enough intro. I, and I would have spent the time on that. What about Vincent D'Onofrio's intro? Vincent D'Onofrio being, yeah, he's, his intro is pretty good. His intro is great. I mean, he's ridiculous and I could not take him seriously with the voice he was putting on for this. People are really into Vincent D'Onofrio at the moment, but I think we, people are going to look back in 10 years and go, why are all his performances so mannered? They're so mannered and they're so heavy. Like, people, you know, in Jurassic World as well and even in Daredevil, um, mm. which I've seen a million times, he's so mannered. Like, he's, he's, he just seems to be trying way too hard in most of the things that I've seen him in and it frustrates me. And he was doing that in this one too. Like, the voice that he put on was so ridiculous. He just... I couldn't take him seriously. He was saying, even when he was saying serious things, I was like, but you sound like an idiot. Mm. I found that really frustrating. Um, yes. And also the, the Hispanic guy, the, like, what was the point of him? 
he yep. was kind of gross and then he survived till the end. Why? Yep. And his was a particular, like, um, his intro was just a nothing intro. Oh, he's been sleeping in a in a shack with a dead man for a few days. It's Oh, he's so badass. But he doesn't, he didn't really have a character the whole time. I thought he was just kind of meant to be gross. Yeah. But it didn't feel that way through but the rest of the film. But also you don't feel like why, you don't really get a sense of why he's there. Yeah. Okay, and like, they try. They really are trying. I just never really... I, I never really felt connected to the characters and I didn't really... Some of them I really liked, okay? I, I, I liked Chris Pratt a lot more in this one than in Jurassic World. Um, well, that's not hard, but... No, but, but like, he uh, he was, you know, charming and pretty and, and he had these really good moments and I liked that they carried kind the of... the humour. He carried a lot of the humour. But one of the things that I liked about him was that he kind of... He never kind of dropped who he was in order to have his big moment, which is nice. Mm. Like he was very consistent in his characterization and it was, it was a little bit more complex than just like the Joker, which was kind of fun. I liked yeah. that. Um, and I really liked Ethan Hawke and Byung-Hun Lee in this movie. Yes. Um, the boyfriends who like we meet them and they're doing these, um, you know, fighting for money things, shootouts for money and all that sort of stuff. But like immediately afterwards we get the story of how Ethan Hawke and, uh, what are their character names? It's Goodnight Robichaux. Good yeah, Goodnight Robichaux and um, Billy Young Rocks. Billy Rocks. Billy yeah. Rocks, which is spelt Rocks. Like, I was thinking it might be like R-O-X or something for some reason, but it's R-O-C-K-S. Yeah. It just looks like Billy Rocks, um, <laughs> which entertained me at the end of it. But yeah, that, and, and he, he talks about how he met Billy and Billy took out like an entire bar full of people on his own. And he, he was like, yeah, I should hang out with this person. You're like, you fell in love with him. Yeah. Um, and those two act like a couple through the whole movie. And they they were really cute. I really liked them. Mm. Byung and Lee cracked me up a couple of times too like i thought they were just going to go with the silent um ninja guy yep. routine and he got some scenes that were actually pretty entertaining um he got to talk and when he did talk he was occasionally funny which i liked yeah um, that's true he did that the bit with when he was doing the when they did the training montage and he was like knives you just stab people <laughs> and the yeah. guys walk away and he's like guys come back <laughs> which made me laugh I liked that yeah it was lots of nice moments I just didn't I don't know I think I may be comparing it to the original or to the seven samurai oh yeah and you can't do that this is not um, as good as those uh, no not nearly and so there's no sort of and the, the tonal problems keep creeping back in like there's it'll often go for a joke at the expense of an a actual build-up and I didn't really feel like the townspeople you know you didn't really feel the build-up before the coming of, of Peter Sarsgaard and his army kind of thing. I didn't feel that like was it felt very, like it was actually really confusing at the beginning. It was a training happened. Yeah, it was happening. kind of a training montage and they were all getting into it. And there was so much going on. You know, we have to hide the children, we've all got to train, oh, we've got to there. All I was, the whole no, I was confused segment. at the very beginning of the movie as to what the hell was going on. Oh yeah. That was very confusing. Um I it wasn't until uh, basically until um Peter Sarsgaard walked in and said what he wanted to do that yeah. I understand understood what was going on in the town and who he was mm -hmm. like we're introduced and there's this gold that's being carried in somewhere and there's lots of guys with guns but you don't actually see yeah. what it and is it, it isn't clear that there's a mine just near town that peter sarsgaard owns and he wants to expand his mine into the town so he's buying up the trying to buy up their land really cheap yeah. it's not very well explained not until he says it yeah, Basically. exactly. He he comes in, he stops everything, he's very commanding presence, and he he lays out what the plot of the movie is. And you're like, oh, I get it now. And that yeah. was that's that's the kind of the power of having a good actor in there. 
Um, yeah. And, and then it, you've got like Matt Bomer in it for like five seconds just to be pretty and die and yeah. be like pretty and heroic <laughs> well, and die. Yeah, he he, he um, gets fridged for his wife, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that's kind of nice that he does that, has that role. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bits though. They either they're, they're trying to have too much action or there's too much going on. And there isn't, to me, a really good build-up of tension, which there mm. kind of needs to be for that last battle to really work. The last battle is done really well, particularly there's a ramp-up where Peter Sarsgaard brings out his machine gun mm. that he has, and that works really well because mm, that bit is great. They'd been they've been relatively evenly matched. They'd been doing well. They had a lot of great guerrilla tactics. It was going okay for them, but then this disaster comes upon them. That was great, but there wasn't a build-up to the start of the battle. That there wasn't a feeling of like the town going silent. And you can hear a pin drop and they're just waiting for the battle to start. That They didn't have that moment, which I found a bit – it was just lots of prep for battle, running around, doing everything. We've only got two no, days. There's a whole ah. bit where, like, Denzel Washington comes out and they look at each other for a really long way away and everybody's, like, in their little spots and they're all silent and waiting and somebody plays the little harmonica and then he says to, tells yeah. him to be quiet and the kids are all underground. Like, that's it just, that's all there. It just well, it wasn't very suspenseful. But I, I don't know. Maybe the whole thing just felt like it was doing an imitation of a better movie. Oh, which yeah, it was. It but that's the thing is that it is, like, it's this really kind of, yeah, it, it's this really kind of silly modern take on it. Like, it's not trying to be a classic or – I don't know if they're trying to be a classic, but it's never going to be a classic because it's too, um, it's too stylized and it's too much like that. You know, even the, the cinematography and stuff, uh, there's, there's bits with lens flare and things that you're like, this is much too now. Yeah. It's much too like 2010s. It's, you know, it's that, cool, it, but it's, it is going to look quite dated, but it does look cool. There is some beautiful photography. Plus there's all these bits, you know, they all the heroes have their perfect teeth and their perfect outfits that are perfectly fit to them and they look so, you know, sexy and pretty and yeah, it's just ridiculous. That's right. And um, and Emma, who I'd been calling boobs for the first like third of the movie because I didn't know her name. Cause the oh, I was first part of the movie, Bobo Jennifer Lawrence in my head. Well, so for the first bit of the movie where she's just sitting next to Matt Bomer being like, Oh, honey, it's just like all you can see is this cleavage. Um, yeah, no, no. And she, and she wears like men's clothes. Well, not men's clothes. She wears like a vest into battle and stuff. And it, it's all like fit perfectly to her tiny waist and things. Yeah. It mm-hmm. doesn't, none of, none of them, they, they do look a bit silly. And, but there are some like, there's some glamour still, shots the, of her like. Her role was actually pretty good. I kept waiting for them to like, Give her a romance or something? Yeah, yeah. give her a romance. I, I thought they were going to do that with Chris Pratt and they didn't. They, I thought they were going to mess her up somehow and they didn't. I mean, really, she should have been one of the Magnificent Seven, you mm. know. Yeah, no, but, that's right. She was the the eighth member and she they, she was never raped. She was never imperiled. She never had to damsel, really. She was imperiled a little bit when um, with the introduction of Vasquez. Right. Like he, he um, roped her, but then she fought back. Like yeah. she was really kind of angry about it, which yeah, I, and and I thought they were going to go gross with that, and it didn't. No, no, but yeah, but I, that never felt like that. Felt like that she was part of the team and was doing yeah. the work. That didn't feel like she was kidnapped and someone had to come and rescue her. I, I didn't. The yeah. only time she gets rescued is she gets rescued by um, Red Harvest at one point. Yes, she does right at the end. Yeah, uh, but, but then, then it turns around. She rescues Denzel Washington. Right, so. exactly. So it, it's okay. It's a wash. Yeah, but then also you kind of. There's a story there, even though it's not particularly well told, of every every other man on that balcony has died except her. Mm. And so she's kind of like – and her her ammo's run out and all that kind of stuff. There, that That is, you know, that's okay. That's a, that's a hero's story to have. Right. Yeah, and that was interesting. I don't know. It, it's – I like that they, they actually put 
a lot of minorities in the main team as well. Mm. Like four out of the seven are actually um, minority, ethnic minorities like, anyway. Not white. Yeah. Not white. And uh, and the three that survive are all not white. Mm. Um, the first one to die is Vincent D'Onofrio, surprising nobody, um, because he's implied to be hard to kill. So, of course, they have to kill him first. Um, yeah. They also try and imply is he's like the wise old sage because he's charmed one of the local women into doing some sewing for him and all that kind of stuff. But they don't, again, they don't do it well. And he's so wacky yeah, that you it, never quite buy it. I feel like that was less, I feel like they might have even had him in more of the movie and they cut it because he's so, it's so silly and it's so kind of, he's not comic, it seems like they were trying to make him comic relief, but he's not comic yeah. relief. He's just ridiculous. Well, you did can't it, buy him It at certainly all. struck me that Chris Pratt got, pretty much every one of the funny lines. Um, Byung-Hun Lee got maybe one or two. but Well, there's one bit also where uh, I think it's Martin Weiss when something Sensmeyer. Sensmeyer. Thank you. Martin Sensmeyer says I'm hungry and like the whole cinema laughed because he says it in English and they're all like, yeah, you yeah. speak English. That was kind of cute. Yeah. But um, there were also moments when the cinema was definitely laughing at bits that were not supposed to be funny, not just me. I did that a few times because I mm. couldn't hold it together a couple of times when Vincent D'Onofrio was talking. No. Yeah, his his weird high-pitched voice at the start, which he got rid of towards the end. But, the but he, it's oh. still kind of there. And he's still saying things that don't make any sense with long pauses in between that like, so by the end of the sentence, you can't remember what the beginning of the sentence was and the sentence doesn't make any sense in the first place. Yeah. It's so confusing. Yeah. Ridiculous in this movie. So I just remembered my favorite joke, where, which is where um, Chris Pratt asks, What's a syllable? Because he's someone, he can't understand what somebody says. And then, like, two scenes later, he says, You know, statistically, they should have hit at least one. Yeah. <laughs> and we were both like, He knows statistics, but he doesn't know syllables. That's ridiculous. They didn't seem to know what they were going for with his character, whether no. it was smart or dumb. No. And, and they didn't seem to know what they were going for with his the way they used his jokes. Yeah, like, was he supposed to be like? Was he supposed to be? He's basically Star Lord. They basically yeah, made him be Star Lord in this. So, so yeah, it was some of the time he was making wisecracks about the situation, like that. The when we meet Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, and he has this great line about that bear is wearing people clothes. <laughs> yeah, so that was great. But that doesn't seem to suit the rest of his character. It felt tonally a bit weird. That, no, that dryness. He, that does actually suit the rest of his character because there's another bit where he meets a short Irish man and he goes, I thought you were, I thought that was a dream. I thought you were a leprechaun yes. <laughs> and stuff like that. That, like, that's, I think, the best part of the jokes for him. I think they should have mm. meted out the jokes a little bit better. The tonal stuff was weird with him. And then, so when he has this great hero's death at the end, it's not really sort of. With, with earned. by the way, he gets, I didn't mind the hero's death. I mean, he, he kind of earned it, but. What I got thought was hilarious in that bit was that he does it and they actually have a pithy line that he says as he's about to blow them all up with himself. And you're like, come on, that's so dumb. Right. But that's the thing is that th that's what this movie was. It was that kind of, you know, almost like 90s action movies or something. Yeah. When you well, say it's, young it's guns. Fuqua, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so like, but it is, it's, it's that kind of just silliness. Mm. Like, and there's no, you definitely don't get an emotional moment when he dies. I think the most emotional that I got was when the boyfriends died. Up in to this, their final yeah. stand together. That was well, when because, I was like, oh. And that was good because Ethan Hawke walks off the night before and then comes back in the middle of the battle. You yeah. know, there's, he's got, they set the hero moments up and right. they did that really well with his PTSD, actually. Mm -hmm. that, that was, yes. that was a 
really good storyline that was like something modern that they put in there, but something that we understand better now that they put in there yep. that was really interesting. And um, something that makes sense in the context of it's set in 1879. So it's like 15 years after the Civil War. So he's a, he's a war veteran. Yeah. And that makes and, sense. And there was something really nice when everybody was having jokes and just hanging out and he turns to Billy and he goes, there's an owl that followed me in here. Um, and mm. he's like, there's no owl. It's okay. <laughs> just like, those are just nightmares and stuff. But it was a really kind of night, like that it doesn't go away just because he's like happy. Yeah. There was a balance with those two characters, with him and, and Billy. Like there was, they, they had some funny lines, but there was enough pathos and suspense and like emotional weight to the story. And the, I think that's the problem. And they I really had. cared about each other. Yeah. And that's the problem I had with, with Chris Pratt's character. He was funny and he certainly commands the screen. But he, there never feels like a real emotional depth to the journey. No. Yeah, that was the thing. I think they, they kind of were I, I relying also, on his charm yeah. way too much and not like relying enough on building up something. There. And I also felt the same way about Denzel. I think they didn't build up his motivations well enough. And you hear them all at the end and they all come out. But you don't really see – like at the beginning he kind of takes the job and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But you don't actually see – him build the motivation to do the job well there's an implication there's there's a couple of parts where there's implications so like once Robichaud shows up he talks about um his sister and how we're fighting the battle ahead and not the one behind mm. which i thought was a nice line yes i, I did think honestly i think ethan hawk and byung-hun lee are like the mvps of this movie mm. um which and, and peter sarsgaard as well are the best parts of this movie yep there were also some people who looked way too modern to be there. Like Teddy Q, the guy who played Teddy Q, did not look like he belonged in the Wild West at <laughs> no. all, um, let alone Bobo Jennifer Lawrence. But then there's also like uh, Cam Giganday is one of the um, sh- uh, sheriff's deputies. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was really oh, confusing he... to me because I was like, didn't he die? Yeah, he yeah. Must have been the no, one his face away. was really modern. Yes. yes. Way too modern to be in this movie, whereas Ethan Hawke's face is perfect for this stuff at the moment Mm. he is just he's so like such a kind of character actor looking face now that it Mm. he was great so although chris pratt dirtied up and stuff looked good too but yeah like he still no he still he looked way too modern because he was like not just his teeth i think also there's a moment at the beginning near the beginning when he smiles and you're like anybody who smiles that cute is never going to be a threat. <laughs> he doesn't present as a threat at all because he smiles too cute this and he's is- too like he's too clean and he's too cute and his eyes are so blue and his teeth are so straight and he's like he he looks like you know a modern hot cowboy in an ad, not a real cowboy. <laughs> well, I I thought he dirtied up quite well and he's had the right vo- his voice was good. For oh, his it. voice was perfect. But- he, he I think he acted well. Yeah, like I, I actually—that's I, part of the thing. I think he put in a lot more effort into this than he did into Jurassic World mm-hmm. as well, where he just sort of posed a lot. Yeah. But this one, he kind of really tried to make the character work, and he was charming and funny some of the time. Yes, yes. Um, and of course, um, Emma, what what do you call her? Boho Jennifer. She looks far, far too modern because her hair is clearly dyed. <laughs> it's it's that kind of like it's a, a re- shade of red that just doesn't occur in nature. It's like a reddy brown that you don't get naturally. And this is eighteen seventy nine. And yeah, they have maybe henna, but I don't think she's dying her hair in the Wild West. No, that she looked she just the hair, and it was really distracting from the very beginning. I was like, oh, the chick with the dyed hair and the boobs. Well, her with Matt Bomer as well, like to put those two with together. With his blue eyes. Where you're like, everybody else in this town hall has got like beards and 
and they're all dirty and everything. And then you've got like the gorgeous Matt Bomer well, next I to thought, this like super modern looking woman. I thought Matt Bomer was actually quite sort of cute, scr- cutely scraggly. He had big- perfect stubble. Yeah, it was perfect. It was cute. It was he cute. Was cute. He just wasn't. They didn't look like they were in the Wild West. <laughs> they looked like they were in a TV show on the CW about the Wild West. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it looked like. I, I, I do. I mean, I like Matt Bomer, and I'm teasing him a lot. But like, he's so kind of. He's there for you. Know he's gonna die the moment he opens his mouth because he's so heroic and noble and brave and blue-eyed and beautiful <laughs> you know you just know Aww. he's gonna die the, it was funny because the girl who played um the jennifer lawrence alike girl is called Haley something yeah. right and for some reason i kept watching her going gee Haley steinfeld would be so much better in this movie yeah like because she was so good in um true grit true grit and she looks so much more like she belonged belongs in that time mm. and for some reason that was all i could think of every time i saw her because i knew her name was Haley, and i would like i was like even though Haley seinfeld is like 16 i was like yeah. she would be much better that was the other thing about i think about um chris pratt's all of his all of his jokes as well they were the fact that a character that he's playing that character and he's so jokey and smiley and it, it just doesn't make sense in the context of being in the wild west either like he would no he's the, star that, lord in the wild yeah west. That, and that because that character is much more circumspect and modern, yeah, it's a very modern. Well, no, character. I mean, so, though, I mean, the, if that if that were a real character in a real western, like in a, <laughs> it is a real character in a real western. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in an old like in an old western, he would be much more circumspect. He'd be quieter, and so he might. He's, yeah. He'd save his funny lines for you know, like when he wasn't dry, in trouble. He kind would of thing. be dry, like yeah. that. That good dry stuff would be much more common. Yeah. I think. Um, and uh, the other thing about that that was why it also reminded me of Back to the Future Three. I think. Oh, I think, well, there's the, the scene at the end. There's. I swear that's the same set. Like, yeah. I swear with, with the cliffs in the background and the big wide. Yeah, I swear. Um, but yeah, that, there's also the church and like that. Well, the, cause the burnt down church reminded me of building the clock tower. And yeah. Things like yeah. That. But there's, there's a lot of stuff in it as well. Cause what, back to the future three isn't meant to be a realistic take on the wild west, right? Mm, it's no. meant to be like fun kind of caricatures of the wild west. And so that's how Marty kind of like fits into it. Um, plus you've got him playing the Irish guy and then the Irish guy sounded just like him doing the Irish yeah. guy. And I was like, Oh, um, what is it? It's Seamus and his hat and all that stuff. But it was, it's just really far out. What did he mean? It's right in front of him. Um, <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. The same bad accent too. Yeah, the that's preacher, what I the meant. preacher's accent was like, filly dee potatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was exactly that. It was so silly. And, and, uh, what was it in this? I don't remember. But then there's these really, really pretty shots, and it's just yeah. Kind well, there of there fun. are some really beautiful shots. There's some actually really good hero shots of um of Denzel. Like An- Antoine Fuqua's worked with him so often that he really knows how to shoot Denzel's face. <laughs> yeah, and he shoots his face just right. Um, and there's he has some really good hero shots, like like the the way the colors and the tones work out. He actually he knows how to shoot black people, mm. and he gets the skin tone right, and he shoots him right. There's some beautiful shots of like. As well of like landscape paintings of like their camp at nighttime with the fire lighting up against the rocks and yeah the, yeah there's some big hero shots and there's some beautiful locations like I, I assume some of it looks like Monument Valley and some of it looks like well it was all shot in New Mexico uh, yeah um as I was well paying attention at the end to where they, they shot were it. they did sh- and some in in Louisiana um they probably didn't go to Monument Valley then because that's in Utah but there there then there are as always there's bits that where the mountains in the background just look just like the mountains around L A but you know yeah. Yeah, no, but they did uh, – it looks really, really nice a lot mm. of the time. 
I don't know. I appreciate some of the stuff that they were trying to do, and I I just kind of thought it was fun. I like the soundtrack a lot. I know they um, borrowed from James Horner. Like they they did a lot of covers of James Horner, and they they had the Magnificent Seven theme and stuff. And I really liked the soundtrack. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. It it is. It's really it's fun and silly, but not good. <laughs> you know, mm. it's fun and silly, but it's not a great movie. I'm I, gonna forget about it in like yeah. a week. It's not. There's no. Well, so I, of, yeah. I didn't even think it was fun. So, yeah, I, I again, I will also forget about it in like a day. Yeah. I, no, I think, I had, and honestly, we only went to see it because it had a Chris in it, really. Well, no, I liked the fact that, you know, you don't often get Westerns directed by black guys. And I liked the fact that they had a diverse cast of the main seven and stuff. That's true. So that, that was is true. That, and it is fun. nice when I, I do like when people try with Westerns in this day and age because they don't get made very often anymore. And they, are a good opportunity to kind of examine a lot of stuff about America and the myth mm. of America. Like you can, if if you cared to, there's some good essays in here about guns and masculinity and um, the myth of the frontier and the myth of you know the the foundation myths of America that are really interesting to get into. Well, I think it's also kind of rebuilding. It's it kind of like Hamilton in that it's rebuilding the myth of America by putting the people of color back in it. Mm. Um, after they've been removed, taken out and like, and women as well, after yeah. they've been, you know, sidelined and removed from history and, and ignored for well, such a long yeah. time or, or demonized or whatever. Right. Uh, well, it's, and also actually killed and exploited and, oh, I'm, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about in movies. Oh, right. Yes. I'm not talking about in real life. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yep. mean, in like movies and fiction and stuff is yep. where they've been erased and ignored and, and treated badly. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so. It's kind of – I like that there are these modern takes that are rebuilding the myth of America by putting back in the real history, the you know, the real mm. diversity and the real people who were there instead of just going, oh, look, a bunch of white guy heroes. Um, you're talking about Severin Samurai as well, and I think part of what this movie is missing is like a Toshiro Mifune character, like the, you know, crazy, fun, mm. funny guy, like who's – both charismatic, but also can be really scary at times and stuff. Yeah. You don't feel any sense of real threat from any of the so-called like gangsters no. and bad guys that are that make up the seven. You know, no. none of them are really scary. Um, I feel like they this should is what be- I mean about them not being introduced properly because none of them, apart from maybe Vincent D'Onofrio, none of them feel like they don't feel like they. Well, he only feels unhinged because the ca- the performance yeah. is so weird. But the, the whole and the whole point of the seven is that the seven are like this ragtag bunch of weirdos. And they, these guys aren't really weirdos. But it's not just weirdos. They should and they're outsiders. Outlaws. They're outlaws. Yeah. They should feel dangerous. Like, they kill a bunch of people and you're still sort of like, eh, they're sweet. Well, they you only, know, they they only feel... kill bad guys. They don't even kill horses. They or, it, Whenever anybody shoots, the rider falls off the horse and the horse keeps going. I know. Like, they're, but... so, they're like the nicest outlaws ever. <laughs> that was just made me happy because I was like, I hate watching horses yeah. get hurt in these movies. It's always so upsetting. Um, yeah, yeah, true. But it does... It would have been better if you had at least seen them, like, because there's this bit at the beginning where they kind of imply, oh, Denzel doesn't care. He's just out for money. But they never, it, it lasts like two minutes. Yeah. And there's a bit where they're in the tavern and they're really, really gross around each other about women. But I don't, I think it's actually played for laughs and not to show how horrible they are. It is played for laughs, but it's also, I think, kind of put, calling out the culture because they, because they have Emma there, like, 
mm. saying that. And also because they also, they then have Vincent D'Onofrio is not into it. And he's like, you guys have got to stop doing this. And Denzel's outside not doing it. So mm. it is kind of, I think it's kind of, they're trying to play both sides where they're like, it's played for laughs, but also yeah. the guys are there like, this is not cool. Yeah, because I was sitting there going like, ugh, men when they get together are gross. But yes, I, I know I that the audience the- were laughing at it. Yeah, but I think part of it is ugh, men when they get together are gross. Like once mm. these guys get drunk, they start being dicks. Yeah. But again, it, it sort of just feels, I mean, and it is gross, but again, it's not dangerous at all. No, not dangerous. There's no, there's no dark side to any of these guys. There's yeah. no grit to any of these guys. No. It's just not. It's so light and silly. Yeah. Which is why um, the bit they do allow with Ethan Hawke and Byung-Hun Lee is really nice when we find it. Exactly. That, that, that stuff is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and, like, and that's why they work so much better, yeah, I think, and as like, characters than most of the hmm, others. Because Denzel's had, the character has had this past, but it doesn't, it seems to like come up on a couple of occasions, but it's not, it doesn't really seem to inform him. Yeah. As he goes along. There's also a really nice thing about the relationship again between Ethan Hawke and, and Byung Hun Lee where they start out implying that Robichaud is protecting Billy, yeah. right? Like that seems to be at the beginning they're like, oh, Robichaud took Billy under his wing, so now he's kind of like mm. his mentee and he's protecting him and all that sort of stuff. But it turns out that it's kind it's the of other the, way op- the other way around. Yeah. That was really neat. That was a mm-hmm. neat kind of subversion of expectations and of yeah. – and, and they did that in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could just watch a movie about those guys. Maybe. I really liked that. Stuff. They were great, yeah. And, and you know, it's it's not hard to watch, like, Chris Pratt and Denzel Washington. It's just not. They were easy to watch. They were fun. They yeah, did well, some they, fun shootout stuff. Right. And, oh, and the trick riding. When he did the, like, when he was riding on the side of the horse to shoot people. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. That was so cool. Like, that was, that. it was so kind of, it would be stuff that they would do, too. Like, they would learn how to do this stuff so that they could. Yep. Card yeah. tricks as well. Yeah. Yeah, the card trick stuff. That was, yeah, yeah. I liked that stuff. And the, it, well, it's, it, that's the sort of fun stuff of, you know, childhood westerns. You know, shoot them out, doing funny things with guns and horses and, yeah, that kind of cool stuff. Yeah. So, yes, I didn't think it was terrible. I just think it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just kind of, eh, fine. (laughs) Yeah. You know it's the highest grossing movie, like, of its opening weekend, which I think is saying something about this year. That's it, yeah. Even ahead of Civil War? No, of its weekend. Oh, this weekend, right? Yeah, well, it was this, the highest there grossing. There is nothing on at the movies right now. Well, that's what I mean. It, We're it's, struggling to find things to watch every week. That's what I mean. It says something about the the yeah. movies that are coming out this year that this movie is like a box office success. Mm. You wouldn't expect that. You, yeah. I mean, you'd expect it to do okay. It's got a good cast. Yeah, but it's not like it's directed by Tarantino or anything. No, but which I, reminds me, I should probably eventually watch Hateful Eight. Ugh, kill me. Yeah, we should probably eventually watch that. But it's it is sort of it's one of those things though. Also, there is an audience out there for westerns, and they are starved. And yeah. there's an audience out there that I mean, Magnificent Seven's a classic, and everybody knows that, and everybody's watched it. And that starved audience will probably go along and watch it just because it's out. Yeah, like it, the um, there was a terrible Johnny Depp western a few years ago. Oh, t- um, Lone Ranger. Yeah, the Lone Ranger that made heaps of money because there's like this starved audience of western fans that will go along to anything that's vaguely western. I think you mean an Army Hammer western. <laughs> um, I yes. like Army Hammer. I like Army Hammer too, but I didn't. I'd sort of forgotten. I just. I just remembered it. Oh, and it was, I was critically panned. Everybody, yeah, hated everybody it. hated it, but it made money, mm. which is, yeah, nuts. And this, this did too, which is, I mean, I like that it made money because it's of all the reasons we mentioned. It means Antoine Fuqua is getting another movie. It means that this diverse cast has worked well. It means that 
the, some of these actors, particularly Byung-hun Lee, who you and I have followed for a while and we both like, they're going to get more work. Like, that's good. Mm. And if movies where they've got women and POCs and stuff in the main cast are making lots of money, they'll continue to do that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it just basically did what it, it said on the tin. It's true. <laughs> Apart from the fact that the original movie was much better. And, yeah, you've got to compare it to, like, I mean, Seven Samurai is a classic. Um, but Seven mm. Samurai has some real pacing issues as well. Oh, yeah, no, no. I I genuinely fell asleep in that movie. You're like, I know, it has pacing issues. But the final battle is amazing. Yeah. And the it's characters amazing. as well have – they're just memorable. Yes, exactly. They're, it's much more – there's m- many more memorable and moments. And the suspense before – and the, it builds in a really, really good way. Yeah. Anyway, that's beside but the point. God, he's – Yeah. Just, and this was 133 minutes. It was long enough. I know, this movie was really long as well. It, it really could have been cut down pretty easily. Anyway, what are we going to give it? Uh, two stars. I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Cool. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find the show notes uh, or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of The Magnificent Seven or the other movies that she watches, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens at screen underscore queens on Twitter and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.